you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern, helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, and you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode 25. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 25. Today I'm joined by a very special guest co-host, my very own baby sister, Kate. Now, Kate has a different last name and she asked me to keep it private so she can maintain a little bit of anonymity here. She's not a writer, but Kate is someone that I go to if I need help with a story idea to flesh something out. And that's because we are remarkably similar. And don't tell her that because she hates hearing it. But we think alike most of the time. So if there's a hole in my story, I know that she's going to help me fill that in. And if there's a flaw in my story, I know she's going to spot it. And when she does give me something new to add to a story, if there's a flaw in that, I'm going to spot it pretty quickly. So between the two of us, when we're bouncing ideas around, we tend to end up with a much more solid story. Now, this episode is going to be quite a bit different than other podcast episodes. We are essentially taking prompts and a few ideas, one idea that I gave her ahead of time, and a few prompts that I'm throwing at her without her knowledge today. And we're basically trying to come up with story ideas in real time and letting you listen to the actual process. And my hope is that either you'll pick something up about that process and be able to work with somebody else from your own network to do something similar, or that you might even come up with some story ideas based on some of the things that we're talking about. Now, we are specifically focusing on murder mysteries and horror, which are my two main areas in fiction. That's the gist of it. That's what we're doing today. This episode, as I said, will be different. It will be long, so we're going to have a regular cut of this episode and an extended cut. You are currently listening to the standard cut. If you would like to listen to the other version, you can find it on the show notes page at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. And I think that's enough about what we're going to do. Let's just jump right in then to the pre-recorded call. Hi, Kate. Thank you for doing this today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds silly because we don't talk like I know. that together. <laughs> I should have my NPR voice really <laughs> slowly and deeply. <laughs> Okay, so as I had mentioned to followers on Twitter previously, I had talked to you about a screenplay that I was working on in the horror genre. And so I want to give a little bit of background here on that first. So you have a moment to go grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> I know that you wanted one. <laughs> um, the screenplay, basically, I had wanted to write a slasher screenplay with a female killer. And as I was thinking through the motives for this character, 
it occurred to me that it would probably be better to have two female killers in the story. And I decided they would be sisters. There's a big age group. And long story short, the older sister kind of corrupts the younger one in the story and drives her from innocence to monster, essentially. You're watching her devolution throughout the story. And so because Katie and I have a 10-year age difference, you know, I wanted to talk to her just about that that, you know, that age dynamic and kind of the relationship that we have, that's the only thing that really kind of ties in from our relationship. So I wanted to play on that. So I gave Katie a call and I just kind of asked her outright, you know, Katie, what would it take for me to convince you to stab a man to death? And she didn't go, what? Or you didn't have to think about it, really. <laughs> she just, we just sort of talked about it. And that's kind of a normal conversation for us, which is fun. So the reason I brought Katie on here today is that I wanted to let other people kind of hear one of these weird conversations and kind of how a little spark of a story idea becomes fleshed out and deeper when we're just sort of bullshitting around about it. And you know, the great thing is with me and Kate, if there's a flaw in my story, she's going to catch it. And if there's a flaw in what she proposes, I'm going to catch it. So we're able to kind of come up with something in the middle, usually at least. So now these are going to be kind of quick, more rapid fire than that was. That was a longer discussion on one story. So today we're going to have a mix of murder mystery and horror. And I did give her a heads up on the main topic I wanted to talk about, which is where I wanted the two of us to imagine having this epic fight. One of us decides the other one just has to die, basically. <laughs> and how would we kill each other and actually try to get away with it? And so I'm not even sure that I would have had to give Katie heads up because I'm pretty sure <laughs> that she would have already had ideas. I know I did. I didn't even have to think about it. And I felt a little guilty about that. But eh, what are you going to do? So I don't know. Katie, do you want to start? Do you want to tell them how you'd kill me and try to get away with it? And if I notice anything that seems like it would be, you know, not wrong, but something that might give you away, I will let you know so you can quickly try to think around it, and then do the same when I'm telling you. Well, you know, you gave me this prompt, and I was like, huh, let me consider this, and then immediately <laughs> did not think about it all weekend. <laughs> and, and I love you, too. Thinking, well, as we've been thinking about it this morning, every nibble of an idea I have, I've noticed, relates to something I've been reading lately, or... <laughs> Murder, She Wrote is my background show now. I do my work. So. That's always my background show. <laughs> yeah. You have me so disappointed right now. I really thought that you would, like, just fire this off. And I thought you'd already have have thought about a way to kill me. Where well, did I go wrong with you? That I found that I wouldn't be caught is, unfortunately, I can't confirm that it would happen. And I completely blame <laughs> this on a short story I read recently where a man is joking at a dinner party with some like new age clients who believe in reincarnation. And he says, I want to be reincarnated as a house cat. I can't think of a better life. You get to sleep all day and you disdain people, but they still feed you and love you. And he's murdered by his business partner. There's some EPA regulations that they're not following and they're architects. And he's murdered by his business partner, partner and is reincarnated as a cat. And the whole story is him going from this woman's suburban house pet to finding his business partner and his plots to kill his business partner. And 
Initially, he doesn't want to kill the business partner's wife until she makes the vet appointment to get him neutered. And then she becomes priority number one. (laughs) So because of that book of short stories about cats I was reading, I feel like somehow I would use your pets to kill you. And the obvious ways... I just have to say, I have to interrupt you here because one of the suggestions that somebody emailed me, the whole email was literally kill someone with a cat. <laughs> There's so many. So we're just so tackling two in one. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that someone brought that in as a prompt because if you think about it, there's like cat scratch fever, there's toxoplasmosis, however you pronounce that, and their litter. So, yeah. Um, I, I feel like that was a story I read where someone put poison on a cat's claws and it somebody. Huh. But, you know, when I saw this prompt, I was sitting there. I was like, this what the fuck moment. I was like, what do they even mean by that? Kill someone with a cat, like kill someone who owns a cat or kill someone using a cat as a weapon or like a bunch of mutant zombie cats on a killing rampage. I don't fucking know. <laughs> so I'm glad you had an idea here. Yeah, that or (laughs) cat toy on the stairs, I feel like, is a common. Yeah. Well, but that's just the cat's own devious nature at play. (laughs) They're already trying to kill us. (laughs) They don't need your help. Yeah, like cat toy on the stairs is a great, you know. Oh, Oh, what a tragedy. The cat left the toys there not realizing that you've you've made an obstacle course for your nemesis of... (laughs) Figure eight winding cat. Okay, and okay. But, but here's a potential problem with that. I already have five cats, so I'm used to their toys, plus a dog who leaves toys everywhere. So I'm used to watching where I step. So I don't think that would kill me. Flaw. <laughs> I know. That's, that's the problem. My brain went down this tangent, and it's just like, oh. How, uh, I I thought the same thing as the person who sent him the prompt. I'm like, how do you use a cat to kill them? <laughs> now you're going to be thinking about this all week. Well, I'm thinking, I was thinking about it already. And I mean, my roommate cat isn't a great example because he's just such a fat blob. Oh, no one would believe that. <laughs> That's the perfect one then. <laughs> All right. Well, I've thought it out a little bit better, (laughs) I hope. I'm glad, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I should just say, you're actually the only sibling who has never pissed me off. I don't think you've ever really pissed me off at all, nonetheless enough to actually want to kill you. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're probably safe. Besides, I figure if I ever need to kill somebody, you're my accomplice. (laughs) So I I have to keep you alive. All right, so I figure if I have a reason to kill you, it's probably not a crime of passion or anything, right? So I've got time to plan ahead. So I would wait until winter, and I would strangle you. And the reason winter is because nobody is going to say boo about you wearing a hat where you're, you know, you're not, you're not going to leave hair behind, all that kind of crap. So easy, tuck it up in a hat, wear gloves, and walk around with a scarf. And I'd use a scarf to kill you. So got the simple, you know, super simple murder weapon in plain sight. Nobody's going to think anything of it. And there you're protecting yourself from leaving behind prints, leaving behind skin because you're well bundled up. Um, you're not going to leave behind hair because you've got it tucked up in a hat. So I don't know. That's really the gist of it is just buy the stuff further away. Keep everything plain in sight. Do it in the winter so you have an excuse for this and nobody thinks anything of it. 
and really how hard is it to get rid of a scarf you know there's fire everywhere in the winter just burn the fucker pretty easy the only downside or the only difficulty would probably be you know isolating you but i don't think that would be tough you know i don't think it would be tough to get a sibling to go somewhere with you um say i'm taking you out for a christmas shopping trip for mom or something and we make a stop over somewhere that's all um, so then in this scenario i don't suspect that you might have <laughs> negative intentions towards me well exactly because i've waited potentially months you know like i said this is something i've had plenty of time to ponder not a crime of passion where we'd like just gotten a fight or something um only downside of strangling is that you are almost as tall as me and we're probably not too far off in strength. So now I'd have the advantage of surprise though. You know, once I get it on your neck, you'd have a really hard time getting it, you know, getting free of it. Um, and the nice thing about a scarf is you can quickly tie it. You know what I mean? So you've got that extra leverage. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, that's the perk over using something, you know, like a belt or a cable or something like that. Um, just really easy to maneuver. So, that's the gist of it. I'd lure you somewhere and strangle you with the scarf. Whereas I think if I was going to murder me, (laughs) because I do live in a larger city, especially the last summer, there was a number of people who I had gone to college with who were, um, one was stabbed to death on the train by someone, you know, um, and another was shot in a drive-by. Jesus. In his, yeah, summer in the city is always something. Why do we let you live there again? Well, the fourth, the stabbing was on the fourth of July, so that <laughs> that doesn't answer my question. <laughs> no, but I was gonna say it's not even like a question of neighborhood or anything, and I think that's why there was such a strong response to that crime was. It happened when the trains are full of tourists, and this happened on a full train car, and no one had, you know. Um, the other one was in a pretty marginal neighborhood, um, and this is like a whole side issue diverging. Um, something I've talked to with some of my friends is I think single guys living in the city are willing to live in less safe neighborhoods. They don't have the constant calculus of physical safety in their head that women have from pretty much the age of 11. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And we talk about the city, but there are idiots who live in the suburb with a house full of guns, just like waiting for a reason to use them. So I'm just, I'm, yeah. So I would say just purely for the sake of getting away with a crime, I would take advantage of the fact that I live in the city and, I, if I'm walking to the train from my restaurant job late at night or some other time where I'm alone and there's not going to be many witnesses, mm-hmm. a fake drive-by would kind of be the way. Um, the only issue would be, well, I guess not a fake drive-by. A fake mugging would make more sense because that way you don't have to have another target that they would assume was the intended target. Yeah. Whereas... I know people who have been mugged at night and there were never guns involved, but I think if I looked robbed on the street at night, the police wouldn't assume a sibling from out of state had come into the city and murdered me. (laughs) Giving me more ideas. (laughs) I'm just more murderable. (laughs) 
I don't know. I'm pretty isolated, Kate. I'm surprised you didn't come up with something. But see, that's, well, because you're isolated and you have, like, a pretty well-established routine. I'm home alone, like, all day. It is easy. I I shouldn't even say this because now somebody's going to come fucking murder me. (laughs) It's like, I have an alarm system and I have a dog. (laughs) Well, I guess, but that's part of it. Yes, anybody gets ideas. You live alone, you're in a relatively isolated place, but I feel like that would raise more questions about why yeah. you would have been chosen to victimize, you know, because you do, you work from home, you have the dog, you have an alarm system. If True. I was going to say like, oh, it's a fake robbery, You'd have to there have would be more home. obvious houses to rob. Yeah, yeah. One where there isn't someone home, one where there isn't a dog, you know, all these yeah. different things. So I'd have to explain Aggie letting you get by. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a very but. tough dog, so nobody... <laughs> You should you should include a photo of her with her uh-huh, with her big old teeth. <laughs> I've already showed them cute pictures of her, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but no, she's a very good loud bark guard dog. So she um, does assume she should bark at everyone. Yes, she does, and she protects the whole cul-de-sac, not just the house. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So now. Damn, we're going to have to think of something else to talk about because you kind of took the whole kill with a cat thing. Um, oh, okay. I didn't realize that was one that you wanted to use. I thought it was like, oh, what an interesting side note. Someone had... Well, this is far more boring than I thought. We really wouldn't be terribly good at killing each other. You know what my other concern was, though, with killing you with the strangulation would be I'd have to find somewhere I could do it where, what do you call it, Uh, where I wouldn't have to move a body because I don't think I'd want to do that. I feel like it's like the clean, like the after stuff that's going to get you caught. Like, I yeah. think be able to kill you and leave you where you fall. I wouldn't want well, to. Because the cover off makes it worse. Me, like, if you told people, like, oh, we're going to, you know, I would tell my roommate or my boyfriend or someone, like, oh, my sister is around. We're going to go shopping. Mm-hmm. So then at some point it would come up, like, weren't you with her? So yeah, I feel like I'd you would have to set up some kind of like some sort of like a fake attack or something and go running looking for help myself or something. And leave yeah, you have to like you. kill me at the mall too, I think. Mm. Like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be shopping though. I mean, I'm sure I could get you to go on a great hiking route or something. Um, sure. I'm sure I could come up with something. At least then I wouldn't have to worry quite so much about leaving hair and stuff behind if people know we're together. So I wouldn't even have to wait till winter. See? Thank you. Now I can kill you anytime I want. <laughs> well, I knew you'd be helpful. Oh, see, my. I'm very good at this. I would just, yeah, we have to pick a height <laughs> where it seems probable that someone Mount misery. would come on. No, Mount, Mount, I would take you to Mount Misery in Valley Forge. We would go up the the steep. The the there's two ways up. You can go up the the. You take the lower path and go up the back way. It's a little easier to get up, but takes longer. Um, or you immediately go up, and it's crazy, crazy steep climb. And, I mean, you feel like you're going to fucking die if you've never done it, like, the first time. It's really rough. Um, I take you up there because it's totally plausible that someone would fall if they weren't familiar with it. I'd push your ass down Mount Misery. That's what I'd do. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Don't need any special equipment. Just, oh, yeah, let's go for a hike. Cool. And then I'll go running for help. As if I'm a you know normal concerned sister. 
there you go. Don't go to Mount, don't go to Valley Forge with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I said on Twitter too. I said this is what we're going to do. We're going to end up. We'll tell each other these stories, and we're going to help each other make them better. So we'll be even better equipped to kill each other. <laughs> and so let's move on to the next one. Paula had responded when I said something like that, and she had basically said, you know, oh, if you, but if you guys do that, you're going to be able to plan counterattacks against each other. And I was like, well, first of all, neither one of us is stupid enough to give our best ideas to each other. <laughs> and second of all, um, it kind of inspired another idea that I wanted to run by you. And I haven't really put much thought into this one. Um, but I was thinking along the lines of like some sort of a murder game. So figure it's not so much a murder mystery idea, but, you know, kind of a cross between that genre and somewhere in horror, I guess, but more closer to murder mystery. Um so let's say you have, again, two siblings or two friends or something. I think this would be a great story for twins, you know, maybe like kind of like fucked up in the head twins. And maybe they decide that they can't stand having an identical twin anymore. They want to be unique and the world's only big enough for one of them. And so they come to this decision together and they decide being super like crazy, but highly logical people that the answer is simple. They're gonna turn it into a sort of a competition or a game to kill each other. And the smarter one will therefore win and be the one who deserves to live. But, but here's the thing, I was thinking to do something like that, you know, there, there are stories of twins killing each other for you know that very reason. So as it's make this more interesting, it needs to be like a sort of a game that they agree to and they actually have to have rules in place and they have to take turns. So if you fail to kill them on your turn, then it's the other one's turn. You know what I mean? And you can't try to kill them. And again, they'd be totally like fucked up in the head and it's literally more important to them to win the game then it is just basic survival. So the characters themselves have to be nuts. But just thinking in terms of like that game and the kind of rules and stuff, I wanted to see if you could come up with anything, any kind of ideas or sort of rules or how something like that might work in a story. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because where my brain goes immediately is would one of the siblings eventually decide to cheat? Like they're, they miss on their turn and then that anticipation of knowing that they're not supposed to try and kill their sibling based on the rules, wanting to win, and then how that would kind of devolve into would one sibling be a stickler for the rules or would there just be a point where it would become no holds barred because yeah. they're both serious. And I think that would be the interesting thing to focus on. And yeah, not only who, in which the one's gonna, yeah, which one's gonna eventually just go for the kill and say oh, fuck yeah. the rules. Yeah, but and it would have to. Follow, I think it would have to kind of follow the game a little bit, though. You know what I mean? Before you get to that point. It, well, yeah, I think they'd have to get pushed to the point where they realize, oh shit, this isn't gonna be as easy as we thought. Um, <laughs> so like it's them trying to outsmart each other, you know, to prevent the other one. And maybe maybe yeah. maybe it's like they have a certain amount of time, or maybe each turn they would have to use a certain kind of weapon. Um, and the others could defend themselves by simply barricading themselves in a room to, you know, fighting back and defending themselves or something. But um, I don't know, like, what kind of stipulations would you want to see in a game like that? This is reminding me of some campuses did a game 
kind of similar to this where you kill, you have an assigned kill person and there's someone assigned to kill you. It's essentially like tag with high stakes. Okay. So let's say each person in the class was given a popsicle stick with a name on it. So the person with your name is trying to kill you and you're trying to kill the person whose name that you have. And there were rules about you couldn't do it in the person's dorm room and you couldn't do it in like the cafeteria. But everywhere else on campus was like, you're free to go. And (laughs) how quickly this game escalated. And in the I like. I really went to. The, I went to the wrong school. Apparently, <laughs> I, oh I'm. God. I'm going to look this up. Um, I, I don't want to like Google campus murder game, but <laughs> but the ways that people were going around not being killed, like it, you know, getting packs of people to travel around them in a circle, <laughs> like. People were skipping classes and staying in their room oh to like God. follow the rules and not be murdered. So it's interesting the idea of having it be a game and having rules. If you get one person of the two who believes in the rules and really follows the rules, and the other sibling starting to take advantage of that and not immediately breaking the rules because they want to be the one who lives and the other wants to be the one who wins and they know if I seem like I'm following along with my siblings game they're not gonna I will know the parameters of when they're gonna come after me and I can be plotting ways to go after them and not worry about it when it's you know quote-unquote my turn yeah but yeah so people go crazy even when it's fake murder (laughs) Yeah, I imagine, you know, that whole desire for self-preservation is strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that just reminds me, hell, when we were kids, you might have been too young. We used to, okay, so it's a big house, okay, and we used to play, there were a lot of kids in our house. Um, Me, my two brothers, two stepbrothers, a stepsister, and I said Katie might have been too young at this point. But we would play a game called Cops and Robbers, and were you old enough for this? Do you remember? I remember it. Okay. Where we would, you'd basically have, you'd be hunting each other throughout the house, basically trying to shoot each other with fake guns. Uh, the cops trying to catch the robber and the robber's trying to kill the cops. And and you'd be hiding in closets and under beds and in all sorts of places. And there was like, I remember like, man, your your chest, your heart would be beating out of your chest. Like you really feel like somebody's around that corner going to freaking shoot you. <laughs> it was intense. Um, but yeah, like even in a game, I can see that, you know, that you, self-preservation is, I don't know, just a key instinct, I guess. So yeah, they'd have to be completely batshit crazy to make it work. Yeah, they would need to share like, almost I feel like, you know, something bad must have happened to these twins in their like <laughs> developmentally important <laughs> years to make them think that this is how you solve problems. <laughs> And especially if you would write this as a book, it really opens up like, you know, is there like a something biologically wrong with both of yeah. them that they would resort to murder? Like it opens up reasons, the whole nature versus nurture thing. Do these yeah. twins want to kill each other genetically or like did something bad <laughs> happen to them? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, that's a story I wouldn't mind reading someday. Maybe even writing someday. So we'll see. We'll see. 
Um, but yeah, it definitely needs to be flushed out some more. You know, like I said, these are just preliminaries. Yeah. Um, and all right, so let's move on now to the other one I have. And then, since we're going through these a little quicker than I thought, and we're now one short because of you, <laughs> and you were lazy and didn't think about how to kill me very well. Um, I was going to keep you with a cat. I thought that was reasonable. Or just put you over gently enough that I wouldn't leave a bruise and claim that you tripped over a cat. Oh, my. <laughs> Um, so this idea somebody had sent in was, uh, it really just boils down to, they wanted to see if we could come up with some kind of an actual scary vampire. Um, so I'm guessing they're not a Twilight fan. Um, so, um, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. I, I think there already are a lot of scary vampire tales, you know what I mean? And at the same time, like, I don't think that, you know, the traditional Dracula story is all that scary. You know, it's never felt scary to me I love that story but mm-hmm. you know I mean it had like I don't know I I just think like the whole romance sex all that kind of stuff is kind of ingrained in that well before the modern incarnations um so that doesn't really bother me but you know I don't know just like like a really like vicious sort of vampire story I think if I were to do something like that I'd probably just base it off of an old myth there's just a lot of fucked up vampire lore out there already that I don't think has really been tapped in fiction. So yeah, I think I would just tap existing folklore or mythology and run with that. Um, yeah, I remember there was some vampire story I was reading where the vampire character was like very disdainful of the no entering home, you know, a lot of the parameters that were yeah. set in draft. Because they're like, why would anyone be afraid? Just wear, like, a cross, eat garlic, and don't open your windows. Yeah. And we don't seem that particularly threatening. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think that could be why someone thinks, oh, vampire stories aren't scary, is different writers. It's sort of the problem with Superman. Like, you do need to build a flaw into your character or why does anyone care about their story? Like, there needs to be some way to defeat vampires if they're going to be this big, bad evil. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be an awful lot, though, right? Yeah, it, it seems like too many. Like, I can't sunlight, yeah. holy yeah. symbols, water, garlic, like, too much. any yeah. purifying thing. It's like, well, yeah, this doesn't seem super challenging to... Yeah. I could I could avoid this. Yeah. Um, so, like, all right, so there's, um, uh, so you have this demigoddess character in Greek mythology, and ultimately over time, the story kind of not got downgraded, but I'm not sure what the right word is, um, where basically then, you know, her name ended up representing a group instead of this individual character. But basically, they were kind of, they were vampiric kind of beings, and you know, the wild red hair, and um, I believe, I could be wrong, I believe these are the ones who kind of looked like old hags, and I think they even had like an animal limb or something, but they could disguise themselves as beautiful women to seduce men as they slept, but like, you were just talking about ways to defeat them. The only, like, I love, I love the story, right, and I thought this would be so cool to work into something modern, but you defeat them by insulting them. Like, really, that's it. That's it, right? (laughs) 
And but at the same time, I'm like, okay, but that. So so let's say we get rid of that weakness, okay? Let's say somebody's familiar with this mythology, and we work it into a modern story that these things are real. Uh, I think it's spelled E M P U S A. So if you want to look it up and see how wrong I am about the story, <laughs> you can. Um, but so what if we took that away, you know, that whole killing them with insults? And let's say somebody knows the story and they, they try it. Well, now you're going to end up with a really pissed off chick who wants to kill you. See, now that mm. is a story I think would be fun to run with, you know, and them having to find the real weakness and everything else. But um, And another one that I like is... I can't pronounce the name for these ones. It starts with a P. Um, I believe the story comes from Malaysia. And basically, again, it's a woman. Um, for some reason, a lot of these tales, they're women. <laughs> um, and she, well, she decapitates herself. And basically, you have this head flying around with entrails and everything leading behind. And she can kind of use her entrails and grow her hair out and use them like tentacles to grab things. And she tries to break into houses where she'll devour newborn babies. And if she can't get in the house, um, her tongue, uh, I think like go-go gadget tongue, you know, um, she will send her tongue into the house to essentially suck you dry. Um, So that's a kind of fucked up story. I kind of like that one. (laughs) Oh, and the really cool part is she has to, she has to then soak her entrails and everything in vinegar to shrink them back to be able to put them in her body when she's done. So, yeah, I like that one. And I'll I'll find a link to this so you can read more about these myths, and I'll put them in the show notes at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. I was thinking about the first myth that you were telling me about the Greek one, and I think if you were going to do a horror comedy, it would be hilarious if somebody was trying to (laughs) insult her, but she's now like, body positive, empowered feminist. <laughs> so they're trying to insult her. And she's like, no, I have thousands of Instagram followers. I know I'm gorgeous. <laughs> and like, I love that. Oh, my God. All right. That's going to be the next screenplay as soon as I finish the uh, the Sister Slasher one. <laughs> yeah. So I think it would be funny. And it's fabulous. Interesting. I love that insulting a woman was like the way to bring her down. <laughs> She's like, no, I don't care about your opinion. (laughs) Then finding out some other weakness. And then now I just pulled up an article about the Malaysian one. (laughs) Yeah, it talks about like how they would use thorny leaves and prickly plants and stuff because around the windows and it's it's again similar to Dracula like protection of plants around the windows is kind of interesting yeah. but it sounds terrible that they suspected some midwives yeah became yeah. the night so they're like oh if the midwife doesn't want to make eye contact with you or is like licking her lips while she's doing her work that's because she's thinking about eating, eating the baby, baby. <laughs> yeah yeah, so I feel so bad for these poor midwives who everyone thinks you're scooping out your intestines and um and apparently there's, mul- there's multiple versions of it, too. Like there was one where um, I think they were saying that they were, I don't know, the ones that were accused were women who died in childbirth. So it's like in one case, we're talking about living women who 
essentially become this sort of monster at night and then they go back to being women when they they soak their entrails and put them back in their body and then in the other case you have people who have died so it's kind of i don't know that's kind of interesting but but yeah it definitely feels like a certain fear of women in certain capacity with a lot of these stories um well here's another way to make this wait what was that to me um i'm reading about ways to destroy them Okay. Um, and it's saying another lo- non-lethal way to get rid of one is to Wait, turn is over the body. Is this the Inbusa or the uh, the Malaysian? Penangalon? Okay. Yeah, the Malaysian <laughs> one. Malaysian one. Um, um, you flip their body over while they're gone, so when the head comes back, it's attached backwards. Oh. And <laughs> I, I'm picturing this, like, evil dead kind of shenanigans. <laughs> Angry vampire woman whose head is now on backwards. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So I don't know. See, maybe maybe we'll have to combine them in some way. I don't know. Yeah, I, that'd be that'd I be a that fun. That'd be actually really that'd be a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like some like a feminist vampire movie where all these. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's my niche. I don't. Maybe that's my niche. I do seem drawn to the whole killer women thing <laughs> when it comes, especially when it comes to you know more visual mediums. So, oh my. Yeah, and I definitely think that could be interesting. Of like, you have these female <laughs> vampires from around the world who have all you know moved to Europe or the U.S. or what have you, and yeah. them dealing with like. Oh, that's actually that's actually really cool idea yeah like my head got put on backwards this morning and <laughs> i feel like an interesting buddy comedy with a female vampire. oh my god so yeah i don't know see and for some reason i find this is where we seem to be better at this is when we're talking about screenplays maybe we're both just more visual people <laughs> Then I don't know. First, we what did we do? We took it to comedy, so <laughs> we didn't really answer the question. Um, and I, I think that's maybe part of it is like so much of the fear. And I was just recently rereading some vampire stories that were based like in Ireland, and they talked about uh, Bram Stoker. A lot of the way that he described the environment is similar to his background in the Irish countryside more than what Transylvania actually looks like. And there is a history of different, you know, blood drinking creatures in Irish folk tales that come and sort of... There's a lot of of Irish folk tales. Yeah. Yeah. Heritage. (laughs) Superstitious lot, aren't we? But yeah, no, you know, when it comes to the whole scary vampire thing, I think the real key for me to do that would just be focus on them killing kids. Go after the young because, you know, there's certainly nothing... I don't know. I can't think of anything more horrifying than something wanting to kill babies. And here's the thing, though, just as a side note, I am the kind of person who would totally tell my kids that if they don't eat their fucking broccoli, like literally eating your fucking broccoli, you know, instead of garlic in this case, is what's going to keep something from coming and eating you at night. So and that (laughs) that is why the world has decided I can't be a parent yet. But I would do that. Like that would be totally normal to me. I think that you know, parents way back in the day, I think they had something. (laughs) So, yeah. But, 
yeah, there's nothing more horrifying than thinking about. That's why, like, yeah, the original I, Grimm's tales and all are so terrifying. It's because, you know, it's all these awful things that could happen to, to kids, you know? that's I don't know. That's where the real horror comes for me, at least. But I don't know. That's just me. Well, I think a lot of traditional folk tales, fairy tales, vampire stories from around the world are based in things that people are afraid of at the time. So the reason that we don't find vampire stories and stuff is scary anymore is because, yeah. you know, a stranger isn't going to walk up to your house. Well, it's not that. They used to I, think that they're they used to think that they're dead were actually going to rise from the grave. And we don't really mm-hmm. have that worry anymore. So we're we're pretty confident I say that I there, I feel like a lot of people in this country are legitimately like hoping for a zombie apocalypse. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess find a way to tie it to something more modern. I'm not sure. I don't know. How would that work? You know, or or would we need a completely new monster to deal with the things that scare us now? I kind of feel like, you know, the vampire has its place, but I don't know. I kind of feel like we need something new. No one sees themselves now as the victim of the vampire who's just going to get eaten and dropped. Everyone sees yeah. themselves as the, like, maybe I'll become a vampire too and my love <laughs> and I will be mortal. No one sees themselves as the victim in the vampire stories. You yeah, align true. yourself either with the vampire or with, the super special snowflake human that the vampire decides to fall in love with. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, maybe the solution to the scary vampire thing is it's time to really adapt the vampire or come up with a new monster. I, I don't know why it has to be vampire. Why does everybody, everything has to be vampire? Let's do something else. Or, or, here, or here's a better question. What monster would you want to see revived that really doesn't get much love? I think we've had enough with werewolves. I think werewolves, you know, they've been in the whole Twilight thing, and we had the the remake of Wolfman. I love that movie, and I love Benicio well, I Del Toro. Think, <laughs> I think oh, there's a way to do where people and have it be interesting and modern and not just rehashing the same, I'm in love with a tortured soul, but he turns into yeah. a monster once a month. Like, <laughs> we get it. But still, you know, that's still overdone, though. Like, can you think of any monsters that really just something from the past was just not done? I don't think we I don't know. I guess they kind of had that mummy revival years ago. And I think they're, they're well, they're remaking that now. Unless Brendan Fraser is in it, I don't care. <laughs> no, I think this one's Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, I feel like mummies were pretty done. And again, that's something that's like, it's interesting, but it's not scary because, and this yeah. goes back to dad's house. I remember being a kid and seeing the mummy and he was afraid of cats. So I'm like, I literally <laughs> am not at all concerned about the mummy because there are so many cats outside. But you know what else though, with the, the mummy, I think the reason I'm not so scared of them is that I find them fascinating from an archaeological standpoint. You know, I, I'm an archaeology buff, so... For me, it's like just a historical thing. Like, I remember when the Tut exhibit was making the rounds. Oh, my God. Mm. Like, <laughs> I was so excited. But, yeah. So, I love that stuff. I'd be like, ooh, you know, like, sit down and let me ask you 20 questions. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm fascinated. We're going to find a professor and we're going to go over some things. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've ruled out mummy. And, hmm, I'm trying to think what else would be something worth reviving 
and not not just like on screen, not like movie monsters, but something that would work in a novel, something that would work in short stories. And you know, ghosts are always popular, but that's not really underrepresented. I think that's what scares me the most. I mean, I remember my first experience really reading anything even remotely horror related was sitting on the floor in Phoenixville Library's Children's Library, which was down in the basement. It's kind of dingy and kind of creepy down there. But anywho, I used to sit there and just sit on the floor reading ghost stories, like fascinated by ghost stories, like the ones that were supposedly real, like local ghost story legend type things. Um, that still fascinates me. I still read those books. <laughs> Not from the children's library, though. But so, yeah, so ghost stories are a big thing for me. You know, that's that's the one that I seem to feel the most drawn to other than human killers. Um, so monsters are tough for me. You know, monsters aren't really my thing. Like, hmm, I don't know. Like sea monsters don't really do anything for me. I'm not really, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'd be able to write something like that very well. What monster doesn't really do anything for you? Like sea monsters, you know, that, oh, yeah. Been reading a lot about yeah. them lately, and people wanting to see more fiction in that area. But it's like that doesn't work for me. Um, I don't enjoy you reading. Grew up in a landlocked state, so I yeah, <laughs> that's true. We don't really spend much time on the water, and I kind of have a bit of a fear of boats. So yeah, um, hmm, I'm trying to think, what the heck work? I don't know. Go back to Scooby Doo. Like, what were the cool monsters back in the day? <laughs> That's like most of my monster exposure. Um, hmm. I thought this would yeah, be easy. I, I thought we'd be firing off monsters. No, I I think it's kind of interesting though to go through and figure out like why aren't monsters scary anymore, and what monster do we think? But is that that they're not scary though? I just I think that a lot of them just don't seem interesting anymore. Yeah. You know, so we keep going back, and again, it's the ones that have. The ones that keep recurring are the really humanoid monsters, the vampires, the werewolves who are human most of the time, witches, things like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas just all out creature type monsters, we don't really see as much of that. And, you know, again, ghosts even, it's, they're humans. (laughs) Yeah, where we don't interact with the natural world that much anymore. We all deal with each other. So the monsters that are so popular are people because... Yeah. <laughs> See, and that works for me, but it's it's a little frustrating yeah. that I can't think of a good monster that I'd want to see revived more. Yeah, it's hard to think of a monster hmm. seems relevant. Yeah, I don't know. And that's just it. I don't know. Maybe we need to think in terms of what are people afraid of today? Trying to think of like a modern phenomenon and, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it would just be internet related or something like that. <laughs> yes, uh, I think we have internet predators. I think that covers <laughs> we're being yeah, punished for the internet already. Yeah, so nothing. What about like, something, well, what if it's not a monster in the sense of something out there running around? Maybe go back to all right, you know who I used to love growing up with Michael Crichton? And maybe he was onto something, you know, that it's, you know, focus on science. And it's not always what you can see. You know, think like Andromeda strain. Um, so, you know, think about things like the Zika virus and Ebola and all these medical advances and fighting these diseases. Well, what are we doing if we create something more resistant? 
and most of our drugs stop working. Or maybe, I don't know, what do you think about that? Like medical advances, scientific advances, maybe the real monster to worry about isn't something you see. Maybe it's something that's in you that can be passed to you from anybody that you're near. I guess that takes it back to human then, doesn't it? (laughs) We're the monsters. (laughs) That's all there is to it. So yeah, yeah, we're bad at this. I thought, man, I thought for sure. Oh, I I actually feel like at least we've really analyzed why uh, (laughs) vampires aren't scary yeah. and like yeah well, that's that. yeah I mean, it wasn't just that though it was because another question had asked about something i don't remember what it was now. they're asking something about, about monsters so i wanted to talk about that anyway but we just sort of fell into it but you know i thought i would struggle with the whole coming up with a monster idea because that's just not my attraction to horror i don't focus on that so much i'm more into the ghost stories the haunted houses and the human element and so I thought for sure, though, that you'd come in and you'd be like, okay, yeah, this one needs to come back and that one needs to come back and this one needs to stop. And I thought you'd have ideas for sure. So I'm disappointed in you today. <laughs> I'm not a big monster person. And I think yeah. a lot of the stories that I read are very much in the urban fantasy mm. category if they're like modern stories. And so much of that now is like, humanizing monsters and so it's sort of hard to go at it from like a purely horror perspective and be like terrifies me you know what i wouldn't mind seeing and you know they are remaking it so we'll see but clowns that's it for me that's my monster evil clown not really technically a monster i guess but that's it for me that was one of my earliest movies and i have never gotten over the fear of clowns and it's odd that i love tim curry as much as i do because that was my first exposure to him um but the thing was i must have been four or five because it was when i was still living in brooklyn and my dad was still married to mom and dad took me to the macy's thanksgiving day parade and a clown on a unicycle we're standing like right up the edge and a clown on a unicycle came up to me and was sort of squeaking his nose. And I guess he thought he was appealing to a child, but he was fucking terrifying to me. <laughs> and I was screaming and crying. And it was awful. And then I remember, like, it must have been, you know, you know what it was? I'm betting it started slightly before that, the month before for Halloween, because Uncle Mike had dressed like a clown and scared me. So I think it started with that. So then this clown comes up to me in November at the parade, and I'm scared shitless. And then it's like just a few years later, there's it. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that was it. I was done. I was done. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing it done well. I think that so. children find terrifying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it is though with clowns? It's, I, I think a lot of the movies, like more modern movies dealing with clowns, I haven't seen a really good one. And I don't like watching them, but if you could point me to a good one, I'll watch it. <laughs> Maybe not alone, but <laughs> no clowns. And I think the reason clowns get me is it's just it's just a face paint. You know, oddly I can deal with a mask. I can tell myself that is a dude wearing a mask, right? And that mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't bother me. Like when I'm sitting there, I was just watching Hush, and it was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's on Netflix. Um, so I was watching that, and I was really really happy that they had him take the mask off and not have it on the whole fucking movie because it was like you know what it's just not that scary anymore and 
So I loved that. I thought that was beautifully done. But I don't know. With the makeup, though, I think the difference with the clown is, A, they're hiding who they are still. But you also see every facial expression and everything. You don't have that mask covering it all up. And there's just something about that combination of seeing them and not really seeing them that freaks me the fuck out. I can't stand it. So, no, I hate I think it's the very exaggerated features on a face. So, like, you're looking where their regular eyes are, but their whole, like, face is seen to look like eyes. Yeah, I see that's more scary than a mask. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can't do clowns. So, but I would like to see clowns. Again, I don't know that that would really work in a novel or short story so much simply because you can't really describe a clown's face as well. Well, I I probably couldn't. (laughs) I don't want to think about it in depth. Um, But I don't know. I just, I guess I think of a clown as more of a visual thing. Like you really have to see it to get the full impact of that face. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see that done better in movies if I can get the nerve to watch them. (laughs) So so we'll see. Um, But as far as just, you know, books and stories, I really can't think of anything that I'd like to see revived. I mean, I guess if people want to see more sea monsters, give them more sea monsters, but I'm not going to write that. So, Well, right. I feel like we set up a nice challenge for your listeners to yeah. prove us wrong. That's true. That's true. I like to be proved wrong. Go ahead. No, I don't, but <laughs> I like yeah. to see people try. <laughs> so I'll take it. Um but yeah, so go ahead and you know, leave a comment on the show notes at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 25. Uh, you can comment there. Tell us what monster you think should be revived in horror fiction. I'd, I'd love to hear what you'd like to see more of. You know, not necessarily because I want to write about it, but just for curiosity's sake, because I want to see something new. Or better yet, what monsters do you never see in fiction, but maybe from an old myth or a local legend that you'd really like to see on the screen or in a novel and tell me about it because I'm curious, you know, I'd like to discover some new ones or maybe you've created one, you know, if you write horror, tell me about it. All right. So let's try another idea. Take like the least scary thing you can possibly think of. Come up with a horror story that revolves around it. Something like completely not scary, fluffy little kittens um, I, I I was thinking of Rosie, which <laughs> is my boyfriend's Boston Terrier who weighs eight pounds. Um, dogs can be kind of scary, though. I don't think dogs count. No, she doesn't have a mean... She can't bark because she's a Boston Terrier and she has like a flat face. She can barely... She sounds like she has asthma and she snores. But yeah, I but don't think to other people. She's just a dog, though. You know what I mean? To other people, they're just gonna, they're like a lot of people are legitimately afraid of dogs. She's so tiny. <laughs> I know. To us, it's not. Um, but something completely not scary to anyone, like a fucking cardboard box. Seriously, like that kind yeah. of blah. Give me something. No, I'm thinking. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> um. Something that's not scary. We've been talking about shit not being scary all this time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like things have been done with, like, plants being Little shop of horrors. <laughs> I love that. Now I want to watch that. What is not at all scary? Something maybe you see every day. Um, cup of coffee. And no poisoning. <laughs> 
That's too obvious. Hmm. Could coffee ever be evil? <laughs> <laughs> coffee. Coffee's just so pure. Such a good. <laughs> um, I know. It kind of is, right? Damn. Hmm. Um, here's another item. I'm sitting here in my office. I'm just rocking on my chair and I'm looking at my whiteboards all over my wall. Imagine mm-hmm. an evil, like, possessed whiteboard and messages and shit just appear. No, I feel like it, if it was in a, I feel like to have the most impact, it would need to be in a school, like, yeah. either a university or maybe a high school or a middle school, depending on the direction that you wanted the story to take. And okay, well, let's let's say university, and you've got a whiteboard in this lecture hall, and messages just start appearing. What kind of messages might they be? Maybe the professor keeps erasing them because he thinks a student's doing it as some sort of a gag. Yeah, so that's how I think it would need to start is the messages are already up on the board mm-hmm. when the class starts trickling in. All right, well, so, first let's figure out what kind of class it is because then we need to decide if the messages are going to be somehow relevant, you know, how they're going to, why he's going to think his students are doing it. Um, what kind of class do you want it to be? I'm thinking of like different directions because the message could relate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, you no, want to do like, yeah, it could be like a class versus if you did like a science class. So you have this group of students who are like very empirical and they don't believe in anything supernatural. So they would be like very resistant to thinking yeah. something is going on versus maybe if you had philosophy students or something, they'd be a little bit more open to. And the messages could be a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're talking about pre-med students and you've got okay. some sort of an advanced bio. You know, that seems like a good place to bring in, you know, deaths and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's some kind of a biology or medical course, pre-med students or med students, whatever. Um, so it could be med school. Um, what kind of messages might there be it could be anything from like maybe naming somebody and go you know maybe it's just like really innocuous like listing specific body parts or something and nobody thinks anything of it so professor is just going to come in and erase it so maybe body parts start showing up on campus then and eventually the students realize that these things showing up on the board are what's being found and then the messages get more sinister as we go how might that progress? Yeah. So do we, are we thinking there's a person coming in and writing these messages? Or I was sort of viewing it as like some mysterious board. We need to figure that out. Let's, yeah. Let's, if the whiteboard is just somehow like predicting things that will happen and it starts with just like a very innocuous, like somebody gets like, like it describes maybe injuries that would happen in a car accident and then someone gets a call and leaves the classroom because someone was in an accident and it sort of, that's not a great example, but we've got like body parts already and showing up on campus. So we're already beyond accidents. (laughs) Oh no, but I mean, just to have it start because I think the body parts on campus then it's like the, the university itself is, a malignant force that is killing people or is it 
Um, um, I don't know. Oh, I think the whole great. university. That's a big about student debt. A <laughs> <laughs> joke about an arm and a leg in there. Um, <laughs> but I... Hmm. I don't know. So, well, what if it goes then from you have body parts and, you know, so you've got people investigating sit on campus at this point and all of a sudden instead of things like that, you have, or maybe it starts even before that, like things going missing. You know what I mean? Like maybe something of the professors goes missing, some lab equipment, you know, tools, and that's what shows up first. That's how it starts. And he thinks it was some prankster and then it escalates to body parts. And after that, maybe it starts showing names, and that's when you start seeing people actually die. Are you uh, helping? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out what is doing this. Um, because well, we're, I just, think we're trying to get plot first, and then we'll, we'll kind of figure it out. Um, so let's say, no, there's nobody writing this on the board. It's just appearing yeah. on the board. And so these students, they're all being accused of potentially doing this as some sort of a prank until they start realizing, holy shit, this is serious. Um, and maybe then the professor, he sets up a camera or something to watch to try to catch whichever student's doing it. And that's when he sees the writing just appear. Maybe it even leaves him a special little message knowing it's being watched. I don't know. It could be, I mean, it could be as simple as some sort of a haunt, like Melissa's haunting. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a decent ghost story, and then I'm wondering, well, yeah. who's the ghost? Um, um, somebody, I don't know. It could be somebody tied to the medical program. Maybe they died in an accident on campus years ago, or I don't know. What are your ideas of who the ghost might be? Maybe somebody who's I, specifically tormenting the professor. Maybe he's the target, so they're going after his students and using his classroom for these messages. Yeah, I think, I mean, just my experience at the university, classrooms sort of switched between, like, there was no, this professor, this is their classroom. Mm -hmm. There were, like, department buildings, but the rooms were all see, sort of... Yeah, see, in our school, it was definitely different. They they had their own. Um, but, you know, what too, we're talking, remember, we're talking about, like, a med, med or pre-med program where they're going to have a lab, so it's probably yeah. not, like, a lecture hall kind of thing, after all. It's going to be... So it probably is going to be more their lab, you know, with the equipment specific to the course they're teaching. Um, so still, I think in terms of that, these messages, they only appear right before this guy's class, this professor's class. So maybe he did something. And That's what all, I'm thinking, like, what your professor do? Um, maybe he's a serial killer. My, maybe he's taken body parts from victims. I don't know. Although then it doesn't make sense that the ghosts would want to kill others, like students. You know, yeah, because the victim's trying to get, yeah, so maybe the body Unless the ghost is one of his victims and the teacher is a serial killer and the ghost takes the body parts from the teacher's victim okay. and yeah. exposes them. Yeah. I guess this is a very physically able to act ghost. Because <laughs> so. um, I think it's kind of interesting having it limited to the whiteboard. Yeah. But... Um. But this, yeah, so it's only his class, it's only just before his class, and it's to kind of expose him to his students. You know what I mean? Well, so hopefully thought, the student, these smart students are going to figure this out. My thought was like inappropriate student-teacher affair, and they then the student, um, or, the, or she killed herself because... Okay. Um, but then, but then but we don't really have any use for the body parts if he's not a killer. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless she was killing female students 
that she thought he might have an affair with. So then he's but trying to do the body parts, though. Hmm? That still doesn't make sense for the body parts, though. Well, we can do something other than body. You mentioned names. <laughs> yeah, as like an escalation. So, so you're um, thinking, all right, so he has an affair with a student. And um, so she decides to come back and hurt the sleeve bag by killing other students. I don't know. I don't know if I like that idea because that seems like, I don't, I just don't believe that that many women in this guy's course are going to be so low as to want to bet the guy. You know what I mean? I don't think that they do. So you think she's just like super jealous? Yeah. This is like a vengeful, angry ghost and she's killing them because she thinks they're potential romantic rivals. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned it. I don't know. That's for my camera. My issue issue with that, just as somebody, you know, reading the story or watching it is there's no real good guys because your ghost is evil. There's no, you know, and frankly, the guy is a fucking asshole. If he's sleeping with his students, he deserves whatever the hell he gets. And so all you have is this awful guy, this ghost who's crazy and awful. And you have her killing other students. There's no real, there's no one to really root for. You know what I mean? As opposed to having the ghost trying to expose him for something, you're kind of rooting for the ghost to to do that. But I don't think I'd be rooting for the ghost to kill these female students. And I think it would be interesting. The professor obviously like doesn't blame himself at first. No, but I think people like, reading it are are going to hate the guy. You know, culmination of the story could be. Him killing himself out of guilt because of what's happening, um, or the ghost finally killing him. Because when you mentioned like him trying to film the board to see who's doing it, yeah, and that's the first time that the ghost communicates with him directly and is like, "I see, I see you," or like, "I see you watching me." Um, so it's like it's his horror at realizing his actions are causing more of his students to die and. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe he said something during their affair and she kind of repeats it, you know, something suggestive gives it away mm-hmm. who it is. But I don't know. I don't know. The story doesn't appeal to me. I don't know. I'm not writing them. If anybody else wants to run with the story, feel free. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a couple of ways you could go with that. You could have the ghost trying to expose, you know, this guy as a killer. You could have this guy uh, having an affair with a student and she's getting revenge in her own way. Um but yeah, haunted whiteboard. I don't know. I think that could be fun some way or another. Um, I could even see a story where you just have, like here, you have a writer, you have whiteboards. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, I have murder boards, you know, where I literally just write out kill scenes and, and murder mystery plot. So yeah, I mean, you, I could see a story with a writer, you know, and some sort of a murder board. You got a mystery writer or something and watching it kind of take on a life of its own. Um, so if you write that, I want to I want to read it. <laughs> so see, even though I love calling Katie to hash out story ideas, I don't always love the ideas we come up with. <laughs> so, hmm. Well, I think that's interesting that we started with the same prompt and then very different stories. we're going to go different directions with it. Mm-hmm. So I think for people who want to write stories, talking it out with yeah. someone else just, is helpful because you assume that what you're thinking is the way everyone would go with it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. And what you build on with someone else might be better than what you were going to write alone or just 
force you to think about things in any way. Yeah. And this is just a good exercise for writers in general, you know, in the horror genre, just that what is the most innocent thing you could possibly think of and then find a way to turn it into something awful. That's kind of fun, you know, so play with that. Um, Might not be a whiteboard. I still say go back to fluffy little kittens. Oh, that's just me. Um, They have kind of little, tiny little needle nails. They know. They're precious. And they like sit in the palm of your hand. I want one. (laughs) No, I don't. I have too many cats. Okay. So I think we've done enough of these today. I don't know that any of this is particularly useful, but hopefully somebody listening picked up a smidge of something that they can run with for a story. And now I'm looking forward to having a real story planning chat with Katie about that new screenplay we were talking about (laughs) with uh, the feminist vampire flick. Um, In the meantime, Thank you to Katie for taking the time to do this. It's a whopping three-hour chat. I'm so sorry. And (laughs) (laughs) this one will probably have an extended cut and a regular cut. Um, But, you know, I'd love to hear all of your thoughts. If you have any ideas about anything we've talked about here, especially, you know, we were talking about what kind of monsters you'd like to see revived in fiction or film, um, leave a comment on the show notes page at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. And you can join me again next week where I will pick up with the community question series. And then if you have a topic that you'd like me to tackle on the podcast in a future episode, you can submit your writing-related questions through the contact form at allindywriters.com slash podcast by emailing me at jen, that's J-E-N-N, at allindywriters.com. Or by leaving me a voicemail at 484-575-1345. You can find show notes and related links to this episode at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. You can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.